One of the things you come to understand when you're in this business long enough, or even if you're a fan long enough, um, specifically of baseball, is that no season goes smoothly from beginning to end. We can look back at the 92, 93 Blue Jays, the 15 or 16 Blue Jays, and say, well, those are good teams, and, uh, and they had great years. But there was plenty of angst in the middle of those years. And so you have to put everything kind of in perspective. Uh, it's McCowan and it's Deichin for Shannon. Um, Dan Shulman's going to join us today, and we're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays, and we're doing it at a time when they've been stubbing their toes. It, it wasn't just this recent, what, four- or five-game losing streak. In the 10 or 12 games before that, they were like 500. Um, this team really hasn't played above their weight for almost a month now. And yeah, a lot of it's been pitching and injuries and um, underperformance and I guess a few bad breaks. But in general, I'm starting to get a, a worried perspective on this team. I don't know whether you are at all. Um, whether you have any level of confidence or the same confidence you had at the beginning of the year. But this is a team that may not be broken, but it's bent out of shape and needs some repair. We're going to talk about the options with uh, the uh, play-by-play voice of the uh, Blue Jays on uh, television. Dan Shulman will join us after these messages. I think it's safe to say we're at the midway point give or take, of the uh, baseball season. Um, McCown and Deitch back with you. And Dan Schulman joins us for a uh, first-half perspective on, well, baseball in general, but the Toronto Blue Jays in specific. Um, the issue that we've run into here is an issue that the Blue Jays have run into in the past and other teams run into on a semi-regular basis, and that is, what do you do with starting pitching when pitchers go down or pitchers aren't performing? And there clearly are not a, there's no surplus of major league quality starting pitching. Almost never is. But did this team adequately prepare for that possibility or even inevitability when you look at the choices they have had from AAA? Yeah. Um, I, I think they're a little short. So, it, it, and maybe this is an unfair comparison, but when Tampa Bay was in Toronto last week, they had 10 players on the injured list, two on the restricted list, and one on the family medical emergency list. So they had 13 pitchers unavailable to them. They had 13 on the, on the staff and made three roster moves during the series. So that in total is 29 different pitchers that could have, should have, might have been available to this team. And the three guys who came up, 27, 28, 29, were okay. You know, like that's depth. That's what you need. Now, again, the Rays are better at it than any team in baseball. How they do it on a shoestring budget, I don't know. They're, they're just really good at it. But for the Blue Jays, we've been talking about this um, more off the air than on the air the last couple of days. Like they hope Nate Pearson would be something didn't happen this year. Julian Merriweather, again. Ryan Barucki didn't work out DFAM. He's now a Seattle Mariner. Thomas Hatch, two years ago, looked like he was going to be a guy, like a real guy. Didn't work out. Anthony Kay didn't work out. Trent Thornton was there, uh, started more games than anybody else on the team three years ago. And he was destined to have a smaller role, but he's been up and down between the majors and the minors, pitching generally in low leverage. And then you get some in the inevitable injuries as well, which every team is going to get. So um, I don't even want to say in hindsight, because everybody knows, uh, you know, you can't have enough pitching. So, um, I think where they could have done more in the offseason is one more legitimate major league bullpen arm, like a Jimmy Garcia type seventh, eighth inning. So another guy in there and more uh, depth starting pitcher depth at Buffalo so that the options that could have come up would have been a little bit better than they've been. Yeah. And we're not being critical. We're being observational really here. I mean, yeah, um, and they're not the only team that's run into this. Uh, uh, no, obviously. clearly. That's what I said, and and um, I'm not blaming them necessarily, but you understand that fans, and to some extent us, tend to focus on the 25-man roster, the five starting pitchers, two or three key bullpen guys, and if if you're happy with that, you think, oh, okay, we got a chance. But 
this is an inevitability on, on virtually every team. It is almost impossible to go through less than seven or eight starting pitchers over the course of a year. And while the bullpen is easier to bring guys in, I don't know whether it's easier to fix. Do you think it is? So let me start with the starting pitching for a sec. So they have the injured Ryu and Stripling steps in, and Stripling's been really good. Yep. Like in my mind, Stripling's been better than a healthy Ryu might have been at this point of Ryu's career. The two issues in the rotation are Barrios has had a very up and down season for a guy who's been remarkably consistent. But what are you going to do other than his first year of a seven year, $131 million deal? You got to assume this guy is going to be back to being who he's been. Uh, and then Kikuchi's obviously been the biggest problem in the rotation. And, and that's a tricky one. I don't know if this will make sense. I hope I wore this correctly. But pretend Kikuchi didn't exist. Pre pretend Ross Stripling was the number five starter at the beginning of the year. Okay. And then that Stripling pitched how Kikuchi had pitched. Stripling's out of the rotation, right? They make that move. They find 100%. Kikuchi's in the first year of a three-year $36 million deal. And that presents challenges that whether we like it or not, they, they exist. So... Um, they're, they're thin in the rotation and, uh, fortunately stripling is pitching. Well, I don't know if they can fix Kikuchi. They can, they can skip them this week if they want, but that's just pushing the rock down the road, you know, another week or two. I think they got to go get somebody bullpens traditionally are the easiest things to fix in the middle of a season, right. because you can go out and get a pretty good reliever. Who's in the last year of a contract without having to give up a Relvis Martinez or, or something like that. Last year, they found Simber and Richards. Uh, Richards was really good last year, not as good this year. Simber's been great, and they got him for nothing. They got Simber and Corey Dickerson for Joe Panic and a minor league. Uh, and Simber's been their second-best reliever or third-best reliever, Mesa, in there too, over the last couple of years. So I think they can help the bullpen. The issue is I wish they could have done it already, um, but the trade deadline is still three and a half, four weeks away, and things generally don't heat up. I know they got Simber and Richards earlier last year. I wish they would have been able to do more already this year, but if you're any other general manager and Ross Atkins calls you, you know he is desperate right now, and you're going to ask for a ton, and if not, you're going to hang up the phone and hope that he calls you back in a couple of weeks. So they're working at a, uh, at a disadvantage trying to make trades now. But it's a hard way to win when you keep thinking, just get to the off date, just get to the all-star break. That's, that's a hard way to win enough games to make the playoffs in baseball. Dan, I want to um, focus on Kikuchi for a second because I, I think you're right. I mean, you don't want to overweight one singular player as the reason for something. But three years, $13 million, that's a significant investment. He had a really bad second half last year. And they were, I think, were gambling that that was more of a um, that was an outlier. And the sort of the the statistics beforehand were um, well, what he really is. Obviously, the um, velocity still there, et cetera. So here's what I want to ask you: There are there are teams and franchises, Yankees very famously, who can fix mistakes by sort of overspending to fix your mistake. Do you think the Blue Jays would be in a situation where? If they needed to acquire a starting pitcher, but part of that deal is they have to um, they have to pay the whatever the salary is or the significant part of a salary. Do you think yeah. they do that? Because a lot of uh, strategically, a lot yeah, of times yeah. how the big market teams fix their mistakes. And let's say Kikuchi right now is a mistake. You know what I mean? You overspend yep. to basically yep. fix your mistake. Yep, uh, I think they're discussing it. And so let's go back uh, sixteen months. They they paid Tanner Roark to go away. He signed a two-year, $24 million deal. First year did not go well, the short season. Last year, he either made one or two starts. It wasn't three. It was one or two appearances, and he was gone. Which mean, And he was at $12 million a year, so they ate, call it, $11.5 million. Now, uh, Kikuchi's three years, 36. It's front-loaded. The yeah. first year is 16. The next two years are 10 and 10. So let's say they've paid them eight out of the 16 right now. They owe them $28 million. That's a lot of money. Um, but you've got other options. You could put him in the bullpen. You could phantom IL him. I believe you can send him down to the minors. Um, I, somewhere I read that international players fall under a different set of rules and there's no such thing as options, and, but I don't know that. My understanding is if they wanted to send him down, they could send him down. But I believe um, maybe there's, you know, Scott Boris is, is, is his agent. 
do you want to alienate the most no, powerful agent yeah, in the agree. world? Which yeah. is, in, in some ways, that isn't that the tail wagging the dog, but it's a real thing. So um, the one thing I know they can't do is they just can't keep sending them out there every five days unless it gets better. And two starts ago, it was better, right? It was undeniably better. But this last one was as bad a start as he has had. Walked five or six, hit two nowhere near the plate and and against the weakest hitting team in baseball in one of the best pitchers parks in baseball like if ever you were going to feel confident in your stuff that was the time but to get back to your question richard i i, I think they've got to be talking about all options and um he's made 16 starts let's say they're four and 12 or five and 11 or something like that it's somewhere in that neighborhood in his starts not all of that is his fault that's a team stat not an individual stat but this is a team that missed the playoffs by one game last year they can't afford to miss the playoffs by one game again this year and to me that means they got to get help in the bullpen and they got to figure out what they're going to do with kikuchi well and then you start to say all right who are you prepared to give up and yes you're you know you can give up prospects and they have some um, and they have some prospects they probably could get rid of, given that they're slotted behind guys like Bichette and Guerrero and people like that, young guys who you don't figure, you know, you figure there's going to be a, a traffic jam for the younger players to get to the major leagues. Yep. And that leaves you with really one significant, maybe two, but in my mind, really one significant trade asset. And that's a catcher. And I think right now we all assume it's Jansen. Do you assume it's Jansen? A trade this year? Yep. No. I think he is – no. I think if they – I don't think they'll trade a catcher this year, but if they do, I think it's Moreno. Um, I think this year they are – uh, what I think will happen the most is they don't trade anybody. If they do trade anybody, it's Moreno. If nobody gets traded and they get to the offseason, then I think it's possible they trade Danny Jansen. But it, so – the reasons why you can't trade Kirk. He's too good for this team in this moment to trade Kirk. But I think they have realized over the last month, some of the intangibles that Danny Jansen brings to the team in terms of calling games, you know, is Gabby Moreno going to go out to the mound? Do you say Kikuchi and say, throw your damn fastball? I don't think so. Is Danny Jansen? I think so. And I think Danny Jansen, and that's not a knock on Moreno. He's a kid. He just got to the major leagues. I think Danny Jansen has a tremendous amount of value behind the plate calling games uh, coaxing pitchers, a pat, whether it's a pat on the back or a kick in the rear, doing whatever needs to be done. And I think he carries a lot of weight in the clubhouse. Um, I don't think they trade Danny Jansen this year. Uh, the Gabby Moreno one to me is interesting. Two weeks ago, I would have said when Jansen comes back, which is going to be very soon, when Jansen comes back, in fact, it might happen by the time this airs. I don't know. We had, he could be on a plane to Seattle even as we speak on Thursday afternoon. Um, I would have thought a couple of weeks ago they keep all three catchers. Now I'm not so sure. I think Moreno could get, go back down to the minors um, and continue to develop if there's not enough playing time for him up last year. I don't think Danny Jansen's coming back to be the number three catcher. I think Danny Jansen's coming back to catch two or three out of the five. Um, and uh, I think it is, he's an important part of this team. Uh, again, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said there's a 0% chance they trade Gabby Moreno during the season. I still think it's small, but I don't think it's zero. If they get blown away in the in the desperation place they're in right now for arms, if they get blown away, I think it's possible they could trade Gabby Moreno. Wow. Well, doubtful, uh, doubtful but, 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 but possible. <laughs> well, let me, let me take it even, uh, even more bizarre area because you said you can't trade Kirk. What if? What if somebody comes along with a starting pitcher that's top of the rotation, who desperate somebody who needs a, a catcher desperately, somebody who has a financial situation, somebody who has a starting pitcher, this starting pitcher, high quality starting pitcher that they know they're going to lose in free agency next year. Mm -hmm. Then what? I think that team would prefer Moreno to Kirk, to be honest with you. I think it's one of those things where Kirk is more valuable to the Blue Jays now, but Moreno may be more valuable to that rebuilding team that's trading. Kirk's already got, say, two years of service time. Moreno's got a few weeks. Um, and I, you know, I wonder how other teams would view Kirk given the body type, if there would be concern about well, yeah. year or two or three, right? So Moreno has everything you could ask for in a future major league catcher with the possible exception of, is he going to hit for power? That's, that's the one thing that we don't know. So I think it's one of those things where the blue Jays might value Kirk more in the moment, but the other team might value Moreno more 
down the road. But again, I'm just throwing darts at a dartboard here. I, I, we all I don't are. Think, yeah, I don't tra- think they trade any of the three. Um, but I think teams would ask for Moreno. I think teams would ask for Arelvis Martinez. And what I really think teams would ask for is the pitching the Blue Jays have in the low minors right now. That The next wave of really good Blue Jay prospects are pitchers who, generally speaking, are in the low minors. Jasper Zulouet is now at double-A. He's a little bit older. But a guy like Ricky Tiedemann. I, I think Ricky Tiedemann, the uh, left-hander who's in Vancouver, Right now, 19 years of age, just got announced today that he's going to the Futures game. I think he's the number one person that other teams are probably asking for. You know, it's interesting, Dan, just thinking about this. Um, I mean, it's a great parlor game to play. The, I wouldn't trade any of the catchers, personally. I just I think they're, they're all under 30, and Kirk and Moreno are 23 and 22. I mean, that's an incredible asset assets to have. The problem to me with trading Moreno, just, and again, I'm not saying you are suggesting it, but just sort of throwing it out there, is – like how do you how do you even value what you would get back as a 22-year-old top prospect at a very very important position the Orioles probably would not trade their uh catcher now is considered you know almost like a can't miss guy so right. like as bob said the only thing like if i'm Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro i would even consider is literally an ace from some other team yep. and then yep. if you're that other team i can't see you trading your best pitcher for a 22-year-old catcher who, who while looks like he's going to be a, a really, really yep. good player, has three weeks worth of Major League time. Yeah, and, and if it's an ace who's on the last year of his contract, so let's just say Luis Castillo of Cincinnati as an right. example. that's what I was thinking. Frankie Montas of Oakland, although Montas has a sore shoulder right now. So Luis Castillo of, of Cincinnati, free agent at the end of the year. Um, if you're the Blue Jays, don't you want to sit down and talk to him about an extension before you trade somebody as valuable as Moreno? But... They've signed Barrios to a seven-year, $131 million deal. They owe Hyunjin Ryu $20 million next year. Uh, Kevin Gossman is in year one of a five-year, $110 million deal. Yusei Kikuchi is in the first year of a three-year, $36 million deal. There is a limit to how much money you can throw at one part of your team before it hurts the other parts of your team. And that's why Alec Manoa might literally be the most valuable player they have in the organization right now because he's dirt cheap and he's an all-star caliber starting pitcher. And this is where, and we don't need to relitigate all the Nate Pearson stuff, but if Nate Pearson had turned into what Nate Pearson was supposed to turn into, we're not having this conversation. It's fine. You know what I mean? They've got- I'm not sure you have Kikuchi if Nate Pearson has turned into what you thought he would be. Right. And then you have $36 million. And so there's, there's a domino effect to this kind of stuff. And I'm not blaming Nate Pearson. He's, he's had a ton of injuries and issues and, and, you know, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. But when one of these can't miss prospects misses and, and, you know, maybe he turns it around in the future, but when a can't miss prospect misses, it, it has a domino effect through the rest of the roster. I don't think they're going to go out and give another $110 million contract to another starting pitcher. And I don't think they're going to trade Moreno for a guy in the last year of his contract. So um, again, I don't think they're going to trade any of them in the off season. I think they will. You, you, you can't have three of these guys going forward, but I think right now, uh, here's the other thing. Let's say you trade one, pick one. Let's say you trade. If you trade Danny Jansen, now you're putting a contending team in the hands, as you said, Richard, of a 23 year old catcher and a 22 year old catcher. That's a lot of responsibility for those two guys. And then what if one of those two guys gets hurt? So I don't don't think they're trading. I'd say 5% at best that they trade any one of them. But in the offseason, I'd say 99% they're trading one of them. Well, let's examine options, tradable options. Would you consider trading Tapia? Rymel Tapia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you'd get for Rymel Tapia. But, yeah, I I mean, I think they need – and I've always said this, I think there's too much sameness in the lineup. And I think a certain type of pitcher having a pretty good day with a, you know, a certain type of pitch can, can really make this team um, not do well. Now, Tapia is a left-handed batter. The reason they got Tapia is because they had Gritchick and they have a bunch of other Gritchicks who are just better at it than, than Gritchick is. So they, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel, et cetera, et cetera. We all know the roster. I, I don't know that you're going to get very much, uh, for Ryan Tapia, if you're making a trade, Bob, you're probably trading with a team that's out of it. And the team that's out of it wants young, cheap, talented, controllable players, uh, minor league players or players who are early on in their major league careers. I, I grant you all that. I'm just trying to identify where else you can go. 
Because if you eliminate the catcher from the equation, you don't have any pitchers that anybody would want, and you really don't want to give up unless you want to just get rid of them. Then where where else on Zimmer has no value to anybody, including the Toronto Blue Jays, in my opinion. Guriel, that's the contract that I think would be attractive to other teams. Guriel's deal is pretty good. Yeah, Guriel is a is is proving to be no, I like him. I'm just I'm talking about what another team would want. I think that's an asset somebody might be interested in. Yeah, he's got two more years until he's a free agent. He's got a funny contract. Sometimes the like when players come from Cuba, they sign major league deals and sort of a seven year deal right away. Yeah. Seven for seven, I think. Yeah, I think the contract is up next year, but then it's another year until he's a free agent. So there's really a year and a half of value, but he's too he's too important to them now. Um, the one guy, so I, again, I think it's prospects. If it's not catchers, I think it's prospects. The one guy on the major league roster I would want if I were another team, but if I'm the Blue Jays, I don't want to trade him, is Santiago Espinal. Another team could come in here and say, I'll trade for Espinal. I'm going to make him my shortstop for four years. He's a good player. Is he a star? No. But is he a very good defender? He's absolutely a plus defender, gold glove caliber defender. And he's now got about a year and a half of showing he can compete offensively at the major league level. He doesn't make a lot of money. Again, I don't think the Blue Jays should trade him. I think they'd miss him, really miss him if they traded him. But to me, he to me, he's the one guy that if I'm another on the major league roster, he's young enough, cheap enough, and good enough that I think another team would have an interest in. Well, I'm going to throw another name at you. Sorry, Rich. Uh, no, go ahead. And I... I don't know whether it was with you or somebody else, but I, I threw this around several times during the offseason. I think you got to look at the possibility of trading Hernandez. I think it's too late. Um, he's a free agent after next year, and he's making $10 million this year. Yeah. Um, I think if we were having this exact conversation 12 months ago, I, I think that's a conversation, but I, I don't think he's young enough or cheap enough or far enough away from free agency that, again – it depends who you're trading with, but let's assume they're trading with a non-contending team, an Oakland, a Pittsburgh, a Cincinnati, a Detroit, a Kansas City. Teoscar's making $10 bucks. He's 29 and a free agent after next year. I, I, I think he's too far down the road for that. I, I, think, I think it's going to be challenging for this team, but I think teams are going to ask for Tiedemann, um, uh, Aurelvis Martinez, and, and they're going to ask for Gabby Moreno. There's no question they're going to ask for Gabby Moreno. Yeah, maybe they uh, – who's the Florida State pitcher that they drafted not too long ago? That's Tiedemann. That's, Tiedemann, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask wait you Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no CJ. No, I might be wrong there. Yeah, yeah. Wrong. Yeah, I know who you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. I'll, the, the, it's, it, the listeners won't know, but I'll be – trust me, I'll be Googling this in the next three yeah. minutes. We'll, uh, we'll Tiedemann's only 19 years old. That's so right. I don't think it's Tiedemann. Tiedemann's only 19, and he is thriving at high A. That is, that doesn't happen. Like you, you, you can't point to all 30 organizations and say, oh, we got a 19 year old who's thriving at high A. Um, he looks like an outlier. He looks like a guy who's really, um, you know, and sometimes you, you hear a guy gets drafted and they say, well, he's got, you know, he's a number three starter. His ceiling is kind of low. This is a high ceiling roaring through the farm system kind of guy right now. Yeah. CJ Van, Van Ike is who Van I was Ike, thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who's, who's a little older than these guys, 23, yeah. but, uh, top 10 guy in the organization. So let me ask you, like, here's something I've been thinking about. Again, this is a good team, unquestionably so. They are a playoff team. I know they're struggling at the moment, but I have not lost faith at all. And I think the way the playoffs are set up, interestingly enough, best of three, I think they're in a very, very good position as long as Gaussman um, is healthy, Manoa doesn't come back down to earth. And I think Barrios is too good a pitcher not to figure it out. So I have faith, but here's where I want to ask you. Like one thing that has not been talked about this year, and I think it's fair to at least discuss it is while Vladdy and Bo and Chapman and Teo have had good years, no one has had a great year. And certainly in Vladdy and Bo's case, they are down from what I think we thought could be a near ceiling or a ceiling. And to me, Danny, mm-hmm. one of the things I think, one of the reasons I think that they're, you know, six or seven games over 500 as opposed to 13, 14, 15 games over 500 is because that core is just, it's ha- they're having a good year, but by no means is anybody yep. having any kind of special year. Yeah, I agree 100% with, with two little asterisks. One is offense in baseball is down. So if you're looking at a guy's OPS, you know, I don't, I don't know what the overall average OPS from last year to this year is. Say it's 30 points, 40 points, something like that. So knock them down a little because 
the offense is down on the sport a little. And there is the Dunedin Buffalo factor to consider. And yeah, as much as point. people might not want to think that way, maybe that inflated their numbers a little bit. So knock them down a little bit more. Even with all that, I think you're right. Um, I don't, and Vladdy is not um, generally uh, excelling at the level he did last year. Neither was Bo, neither was Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, Matt Chapman's about the same as last year as he was with Oakland, which in my, and, you know, he's in a better ballpark, but in a worse offensive year, call it a wash. So I, I would, I think I would leave Chapman to the side, but the other three, um, I would say, and Springer too, you know, Springer's had a streaky, streaky season, a phenomenal couple of weeks. And now he's in a real down yep. couple of weeks. So, um, listen, the offense is still kind of top five, top six, good in baseball. We expected it to be top one or two. Um, but the only, if the only way for them to win is to outslug people, then guys are going to have to hit more than, than they're hitting right now. I, this, yeah. And this gets back to, by the way, this gets back to just how important Kirk has been this year. Imagine yeah. if he's not putting up those kind of numbers. Yeah. So it, it, it's funny in, in, in a stretch in May, I guess Kirk and Espinal for a while were their two best offensive players. Um, and then Vladdy really got going. Vladdy won a player of the week and had a really big June and, and Vladdy gets judged by a different standard than everybody else. You know, Vladdy in a month can hit 300 with eight home runs and people go, yeah, he's doing okay. You know, <laughs> because he gets judged differently. Uh, Guriel coming on has really helped. Biggio coming on has really helped. Those things have really helped, but, but you're right. It, it's, at the end of the day, offensively, Bichette, Guerrero, and Teoscar Hernandez are incredibly important. And I think there is room for improvement. I think there's, I still think, though, there's more room for improvement on the pitching side. And are they, are they going to go out and get a bat? Yeah, they could get a left-handed bat. It could, I don't know what position that guy plays. I think he's probably an outfielder. I think he's got to be an outfielder in my mind. Um, and then, you know, Guriel DHs a little bit more Teoscar DHs a little bit more. They sit guys here and there. I think they could use a competent left-handed bat, but they certainly need a couple of pitchers right now more than anything. We got to take a break. Dan Schulman is uh, with us. We'll continue the conversation after these messages. McCown Deitch Schulman uh, with you. You're talking, we were talking earlier about uh, Vladdy and his, Rather disappointing season. Um, the intriguing thing that comes to my mind, and I'm sure it has to yours as well, is that while we heard about um, Guerrero Jr. on his way up, all we saw when he got here was how different he was from his father. Um, a guy that didn't chase pitches, waited for the right pitch, um, certainly had the ability to hit it when he got it. His dad would chase everything that no matter where it was. And the thing that I, I think I've noticed, and increasingly so, Dan, is he is, seems to be reverting more to his father's uh, agenda than his own. And I do understand that a lot of that is because they're throwing him a lot of pitches just off the plate deliberately, hoping that he chases. He doesn't seem to have the patience right now to lay off those pitches. Tell me what you've seen. Um, I see him chasing more this year than last year. I, I still think that's a long ways from his dad, though. His dad was a... Well, I give you that, but... You're right. Um, you know, I think what Vladdy did last year, again, was remarkable. And it wasn't just the talent. It was the composure and the discipline and the patience and the confidence and all that. Um, I think there were a couple of rough circumstances at the beginning of the year. Bo Bichette started off the season in a big slump. And Teoscar Hernandez got hurt in the first week of the season. So the guy in front of Vladdy wasn't hitting, and the guy behind Vladdy got hurt. And then I think they moved Guriel into the cleanup spot, if I'm not mistaken, and he wasn't hitting at the beginning of the year. So my guess is it's more than my guess. I know, I know Vladdy in the first few weeks of the season felt like he had to hit a five-run homer, right? He had to do a ton in order to carry this team because in April, all we were talking about was where's the offense? They're not hitting. So I think Vladdy put a lot on his shoulders early. I think he's gotten into a, a, a good groove. Again, in the month, if you look at his numbers in the month of June, they were great. Um, not 2021 Vladdy great, but like, you know, objectively great. Eight, eight or nine homers, an average about 300, drove in 28, 29 runs, really good numbers. So he still is chasing a little bit more. I think the move to put Kirk behind him was a great move. And I don't know if this was the intended reason for the move. But as crazy as it sounds, I think they've got to pitch to Vladdy more because Kirk's behind him. Because everybody respects the hell out of Alejandro Kirk as a hitter. Teoscar Hernandez is a very good hitter and a very dangerous hitter, but he's got holes. You can strike him out. You can make him chase. 
And I think a certain type of pitcher can look at Teoscar and say, I think I got that guy. But I don't know if anybody can look at Alejandro Kirk and say, I think I got that guy right now because he's just so sound. His swing is so simple. He makes so much contact. And I think um, it's helping Vladdy a little bit. So um, I hear what you're saying, but I'd like to see uh, a, a little bit more. I think he's doing I think he's doing well. He's not doing 2021 Vladdy well, but I, I think he's doing well this year. He's still got an OPS of, I don't know, 830, 840, an OPS plus of in the 130s right now. He's having a very good year. But um, for the, this team to be great, sadly, Vladdy probably needs to be great for them to have a great year. He needs to be among the most feared hitters in baseball uh, for them to have a great season. And and he knows that. he He's only 23, but I think he's got a very good understanding of his place in the game. And you, um, you're around the team, so you would get a much better sense of if this discussion is even happening than Bob and I. There have been major league teams, as you know, that have taken prime young talent like uh, like Bo and Vladdy are, and tried to sign them early to long-term deals. And then, you know, the calculation, of course, is that you believe they're going to be great. If you sign them before their time is up to really sign the big contract, through the length of the course of the deal, you get a better deal, right? Because the average of what you're paying them would be better than if you you got a Mookie Betsum, you know, 35 million or whatever a year. Do you know yep. if Blue Jays management at all has broached this with the representatives of Vladdy and Bo? And do you then conversely, do you know how Bo and Vladdy feel versus obviously some of the players who have made the decision to sign long-term and get the security? Right. So I don't know if I'll give you a very satisfying answer here. I don't know if the team has broached uh, the subject of long-term contracts. Um, you know, I would have guessed after last year with Vladdy, there might have been a little bit of let's see him do it again before we commit to the 14-year. You know, the the Fernando Tatis, Bryce Harper deals are enormous. You know, 14 years, 350 million, whatever they are. So I don't know if they have broached that with either player. And I have never asked either player, would you be interested? Here is my, this is just my opinion on the players. I think both of them would like to get to free agency and are willing to bet on themselves year by year that they're going to be good enough and healthy enough that it's that. Um, by the time they get to free agency, it'll work out well for them. Because if you do get to free agency, uh, not only could it work out better, but you get your choice of where you want to play. And this is the tough one. I'm a Toronto guy, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm them, I sure, I love Toronto. And they do. We know they do. But there are other places that they would love just as much. And and. I think they are both coming from baseball families, coming from famous fathers. Um, like these guys don't go to bed at night saying, I need to take care of future generations of my family financially. They don't have that concern. And they're both fortunate because of that, because their dads made a nice living playing Major League Baseball. I think they're willing to bet on themselves and to see how it all pans out. And if it doesn't, I think they can both look themselves in the mirror and say, I was willing to bet on myself. I, I, I took a shot. Um, I know Bo better than I know Vladdy. There's obviously no language barrier with Bo. There's somewhat of a language barrier with Vladdy. And, and Bo Bichette to me is one of the most interesting athletes that, that we have um, in this market and on this team. And he's a very, very confident person. He wakes up in the morning thinking about baseball. He goes to sleep at night thinking about baseball. And I think um, in both of their cases, but especially in his case, I think they're willing to ride it out unless they get absolutely blown away by an offer. And I don't know if those offers have been made. I don't know whether I agree with you or not on your assessment of uh, whether both of them would test free agency. And I, and I will, you know, the, I have no evidence to support this. I'd, I'd love to know. These are both guys who came into the Blue Jay organization at a very young age. Um, both guys who have never experienced or played for any, any other organization mm -hmm. and who seem, as you said, not to dislike Toronto, not to dislike Canada no, um, like and, and not, and not to have any issue with the organization, mm -hmm. with the front office mm -hmm. managers, anybody else. We have never heard a negative word from either one of them. I'd love to know what that means in terms of your suggestion that they may want to test free agency and, and, at least in part, to see what it's like somewhere else. Yeah, I, I just think it's a it's a betting on yourself, keeping options open kind of thing. It's not an I want to go somewhere else. It's 
I'm willing to see how this plays out kind of thing. I think they both love Toronto. I really do. And I think they've both been treated extremely well uh, by the organization. One is 24 and one is 23. And they are not only core players, they are core people. They are core. They are big. They are very important. And and you, last year was the same way in the clubhouse and beyond the clubhouse within this organization. I'm not saying there's any negative thing or any incentive for them. No, I know you're not. Uh, not to sign. I, I just think, um, you know, some people want safety and security and comfort, and some people are maybe willing to roll the dice. And I'm not talking about baseball players. I'm talking about all of us in a hundred different areas of, of course. Life. And I just think Bo and Vlad are both self-assured enough and given their backgrounds that they don't, they don't worry about this stuff. Um, and I think they're self-assured enough and, 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 and they are willing to say, I'll just keep playing. And, and if somebody makes me an offer, I can't refuse. Somebody makes me an offer. I can't refuse, but I don't think they're worrying I don't think they're worrying about it. I think they both believe in themselves enough that they feel this is going to turn out very well for them, no matter which way it goes. Well, it's an interesting perspective, and I don't pretend to know what the answer is. Um, I just wonder whether being with one organization since you were a teenager, in Vladdy's mm -hmm. case, what was he, 16 mm -hmm. when he signed? I, wonder, I, I, I just wonder whether that influences where you go when the time is right. It could, and to be honest with you, and maybe I I shouldn't feel this way. Um, I don't. I wouldn't walk up to Bo or Vladdy and say, I wouldn't. I I I wouldn't feel comfortable really delving into this with them. I feel this is their. Oh, I get it. And I call the games. I'm not a you know I'm not a, a reporter. So, but um, this is just me my perception of their personalities. And again, I know Bo much better than I know Vladdy. So um, they each have three more years after this year. So, you know, none of this is urgent, but the, the closer you get to with the free agency date, the more likely the player is to say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll ride it out and keep going. Listen, the Yankees didn't sign Aaron judge, right? The Yankees didn't sign Aaron judge. And Bo and Vladdy have an advantage over Aaron Judge in that they got to the major leagues much earlier. Aaron Judge is turning 30 very soon, I believe. He will be a 30-year-old free agent. Bo Bichette will be like 27, 28. Vladdy will be 26, 27. Whole different kettle of fish for, for yeah. those guys. They're more like Tatis and Harper because they got to the majors much earlier. See, to me, like, first of all, I think – Dan, you make a lot of sense. Like, I think, I think sons of professional athletes, daughters of professional athletes, they just think differently um, mm -hmm. than others. Also, Bo is not from Toronto. He's not Canadian. And he's, I think, probably Florida-based from what I understand. Yes. Um, so I'm with you. I, I, I would think that Vladdy might have more of an attachment to the organization just when he, was, when he signed. But here's, like, really where the rubber meets the road. And I'm sure Ross and Mark and Rogers Corporation think about this all the time. You know, it is a challenge to sign one type of guy like this when yeah. he is at a free agent. You are looking at two guys coming up at the same time. I, I think you have to do everything in your power to try to sign at least one before you get to that three-year mark. I, I, I'm just not sure. Obviously, we don't know what the world's going to be like. You know, who knows? Maybe Rogers comes up with some new, you know, cell phone and, you know, the money's there, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, I, it just... I'm not sure how many sports organizations have had to make that kind of signing if you want both those guys at the same time. I and mean, when we could be, if you just do the math on this, I mean, we could be looking at like at a $700 million outlay by then. Yeah. I just, I don't know how yeah. you pull that off. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, Trevor Story and Javier Baez both just signed six year, $140 million deals. Bo's going to get way more than that. Right. Way more than that. if Vladdy is who Vladdy, uh, who we think Vladdy is and will be, he's, up at a higher echelon even, and we'll get more money. And what do you do about Alec Manoa? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like Alec Manoa is really important. Alec Manoa is going to be a rich young man too, um, because they've got the Gosman and the Barrios. They've got these, a lot of other contracts and I don't care who you are, whether it's the Yankees or the Blue Jays or anybody, there is a limit, obviously. So um, I, it's a fascinating conversation. I think it's way deep in terms of what the front office is thinking about right now. They got, they've got some fires to put out now um, off season, maybe who knows, but my, my guess is they're just going to keep playing year to year and see where it takes. Well, I, I'm going to give you my prediction on this. They're only going to be able to sign one of them. They're going to have to make the choice at some point in time. 
And the time to make that choice is probably either this coming off season or the following off season. And the choice will be to trade them, to trade Whoa. one of them. Wow. <laughs> well, you're not, you, you don't want them to walk. You don't want them to walk no, for nothing. Got three more years after this. No, but you just said, you know, uh, Hernandez, his value was with at least two yeah. years on his contract and way more yeah. value with three years on his contract. And the yeah. same applies for, for everybody and even more so for guys of this quality. Mm-hmm. And I think they're in a, they're coming to a position where they're going to have to decide which of these two guys they want to try and keep. You, and, you're, and, you're right. and maybe what you do is you get into conversations about long-term deals with both of them simultaneously, figure out which one you're closer to signing because you sure don't want to trade one and then lose the other one right. in free agency. So right. you want to have one as much as possible in your back pocket. Yeah, it, you know, maybe a nice uh, middle-of-the-road compromise. And again, I'm not sure this could happen, but they're both free agents in three years. Could you sign them, or one of them or two of them, to a five-year deal for a hell of a lot of money and 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 say to them, hey, you're still going to be 28, 29 when this yes. deal is done. So yeah. here's, here's your take care of your grandkids' money, and you're still going to be 28 or 29 uh, when the deal is up. So it, it could go a dozen different ways. It really could. Yeah, but a lot of that, is, too, is going to depend on the performance of the club, right? Yep. Like if yep. this if this team stubs their toe this year and does it again next year when they were built for now, then uh, you're probably looking at some kind of a rebuild or reconstruction, yep. at least a tinkering. Yes. And a lot of bodies are going to start to move. Yeah. Uh, we we know you got to you got to go. You got uh, things to do. Um, enjoy your time in Seattle. You got a four gamer this weekend, right? We got four games. Yep. Uh, well, we're only doing three. The Friday night game is on Apple, so the Blue Jays have four. We only have three. Well, if I had Apple, I'd watch it on Apple, but I don't, and, I, and I'm not going to get it. So there's that story. Uh, good to see you, Danny. Thanks, pal, for your time. You, you we'll too, talk guys. down Thanks. the road. Thanks, Dan. Dan Shulman, back after this. Oh, we thank Dan Shulman for uh, joining us. Bob McCowan, Richard Deitch with you. I get the sense that Shulman had not considered uh, what I threw at him near the end of that conversation. The prospect that Blue Jay fans, I believe, should expect either Bichette or Guerrero to be traded. That it is impossible to sign both of them. Um, the economics don't really make any sense. And not, I mean, it's, you want to keep them. It's not a question of wanting to get rid of them. But I think the time to start shopping one of them or both of them might be this offseason. Give me your two cents on that. Well, it's it's a scenario that no Blue Jays fan wants to contemplate. I mean, these are the you know the two young pillars of the organization. I think before you head down that road, you obviously have to talk to them and their representatives. Well, to of course, see, you know what they're thinking about long term. I would even strategically try to get both of them, and it really, when I say both of them, it's both of their representatives together to see like how they feel about um, maybe signing at the same time. And you try to incentivize that, hey, we're going to build everything around you two. You've been here. This is your franchise. You know, you sort of do whatever you can to, to make that happen. But I, I do agree with you fundamentally in that it is going to be hard, Bob. I mean, we're talking a couple of years down the road. You know, we're, we're, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars is an outlay uh, for those type of players. And big decision for the franchise to do that. If it gets to the point where you have to think about dealing one, I probably would deal Bo before I would deal Vladdy because I think you do have some infield depth and it feels like it's easier to find a shortstop than it is to find a potential, like a transformational MVP type. But these are not going to be fun decisions for the franchise at all. Yeah, it is interesting depending on how you look at it. Um, And the Blue Jays do have middle infielders in their system that they like. I don't know whether there's a Bo Bichette in there, but um, there are guys they like. On the other hand, Vladdy is a first baseman. And I've said since the beginning of time, there is nothing easier in the sport of baseball than playing first base. It is where you go if you can move at all and can catch a ball. And if you're in the major leagues, I presume you can catch because designated DHs almost, are almost dinosaurs now. Guys who can hit but can't field. Um, used to be DHs. That's what you did. And now they use the DH position to rotate guys through that, including Vladdy Guerrero. 
So I see your point of view, but I think I can come up with an alternative. Um, you're talking probably 60 plus million dollars between the two of them per year. And I say that because you're three years away from getting them under contract again, inflation is going to kick in yeah. and $30 million isn't unreasonable. I think if you got one of the two of them at 25, don't you think you'd feel like you got a, a bit of yeah, a discount? I, I don't think that's realistic. I'm with you. I think the first number at a minimum is 30. Vladdy or Bo have some massive years. It could be 40. It could, yeah, it could be higher than that. I, the, the, there's another, there's another thing for me here and it's more, um, it's not as tangible. It's more sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, maybe I'm romanticizing a little bit, but Vladdy, for whatever reason, seems to be more of a, uh, you know, they signed him when he was 16 for so long, Bob, he was sort of like, like we think the future is bright because this guy eventually is coming. He's always, he was the number one prospect in baseball. He's always sort of yep. been touted as the guy. I think, and again, organizationally, you, you you should you have to be calculated and cold, and you make a decision what's based on the needs. But I do think, I don't know, I think there's more of a connection organizationally to Vladdy, and I think the fans might even agree with that than to Bo. That said, I think if, I mean, job one for Ross and Mark is to figure out a way to keep them both. Um, How? I, I mean that that's How do where you keep what you no you 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 didn't finish the sentence. Sure. Their job is to keep Vladdy and Bo on a competitive team. I understand. Correct. And that's where the problem lies. You can keep Vladdy and Bo if you're willing to scalp the rest of the organization. Well, let's get and into have a I, middle of the road. So team let me that ask you this: make the playoffs. Both of us obviously worked for this place, so I mean, in some ways, we have a sense of what the Rogers Corporation is like. If they are still in the business, right, of using the Blue Jays to market their products. What are what is a competitive Blue Jays team worth to a billion dollar company, multiple billion dollar company? Well, again, that it's all theoretical, but um, it probably means five hundred thousand viewers a game, right? Agree. Where your product is being promoted. Now, the question becomes: What is the value of that promotion? It's promotion on your own station for yourself for other programs on your station. I don't know. Does that influence you? It rarely influences me. Well, it's, 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 let's put it this way, whatever the, I mean, you know, the, let's say the Blue Jays do, um, making something, you know, a million and a half viewers on, on, on like a playoff type of atmosphere in September or something like that. You presume your, uh, those, those viewers are either Rogers, um, subscribers or they own Rogers products or potentially can be. So what is the value? This is this is the problem. Well, that's why I say I don't know. Like, what's the value of that kind of exposure, vis-a-vis those people might be more apt to use a Rogers product versus not? Like, I'm this is you know the company has people in the business department to figure this out. So that's really the question to me is like how important or can what's the return of investment of a successful baseball team when it comes to what they really care about, which is obviously the telecom business. Well, and then if you add if you add fifty or sixty million dollars to that number that you're already spending, in order to keep those viewers, yeah, now is it worth it? It's a good question. I mean, you know, they they, they do get some financial relief. I mean, reuse contract will be up. Um, you know, things like. But he's a guy you got to replace right now. Yeah, no, I know. And you, you want to replace him with a twenty million dollar plus pitcher. The the you know I, as someone who is from New York and now lives in Toronto. This is a big market to me. And if you want to be a big market franchise, you you your your budget is going to be big. And so that's a calculation they have to make in order to be competitive with these two particular guys, you are going to have to be one of have one of the highest salaries in the sport. So I think they already do. Yeah, they're going to have to make that decision though. Um but it's not going to be cheap and the one thing I think Dan mentioned this too. I don't think Bo and Vladdy are giving them a hometown discount. I just, I don't think those guys operate that way. So you're going to play. Oh, no, I don't think so either. And that's why I say, you know, you could be stuck. I said 60, maybe it's 70. And, you know, we can talk about term, 
Um, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to give you a discount in terms of financially. And I don't think they're going to give you a discount in terms of years. Yeah. I will say this. You, your, your thought here is really interesting. And I bet you, we start a year and a half from now hearing some rumblings, either correct or incorrectly about what they would be worth on the trade market. I I think they're going to make those calculations quietly if they don't think they can sign both. Oh, you're not going to hear anything from, um, Atkins or Shapiro, no not publicly, question. but well, no, you're not going to hear it publicly or either. It's not, it's not going to be privately. It's not going to be rumored. They're going to deny it. But if I'm then I've already had this thought and this coming off season is when I start the process of thinking about it, talking to their agents, find out what they might be interested in take a look at, at who might be interested out there in the marketplace. And maybe you don't trade one of them at this point, but maybe somebody comes up with something that's really interesting. Can I give you my one caveat on all this? Cause I sure. think it's, and the only guy who might not have fit into this is Kawhi Leonard. I do think Bob, there is something about the culture of winning. And if they do win in one of the next two years, I do think that has significance for Bowen Vladdy. Cause I do think at the end of the day, players do want to play, for winning organizations, winning baseball. And I think that will be important to both of these guys. So that's where how they do this year and next year, I think is very, very big in terms of trying to sell Vladdy and Bo on, on this long term. Uh, let me also conclude. Um, Danny won't love me for this, but uh, I think he's wrong about Jansen. I think Jansen is the, is the catcher that goes. And I think he goes quickly as soon as he's healthy. Um, you probably can't trade Kirk. Public Not reaction Public reaction. Would I be. would not trade Moreno. I think that you don't, in my opinion, you do not trade a 22-year-old catcher who, no who has all-star potential. That's insane to me. Exactly. No chance. And Danny Jansen, while he's a nice guy, he is an average, maybe slightly above average catcher, and he is an average to maybe slightly below average offensive player. He's just a guy. He is not the guy you want. He is maybe a great guy but he is excess right now. And if somebody needs a catcher, um, Danny Jansen will bring a return. We got to get out of here. We got uh, more for you tomorrow. We hope you'll join us for that. For uh, Richard Deitch, Bob McCown. See you.